0: Today's talk, Sicha, is going to be from the valley Lakuta Sicha set from the Rebbe's talks. Uh, this week's Parsha Bo, and it's the third Sicha of the third out of the five Sichas. So let's bring us to date of the Parsha where he starts this talk. So the Parsha con- is the, conclu- the beginning of the Parsha is the concluding th- uh, three plagues of the ten plagues. After... Pharaoh in Egypt suffers the 10 plagues. Now it's time for us to prepare ourselves to get out of Egypt. On the first of the month of Nisan, which was the month when the miracles happened of us leaving Egypt, on the first of the month, Hashem tells to Moshe, tell the Jews of the mitzvah to establish a Rosh Chodesh when you see the new moon. Then he tells him, to tell all the Jews that on the 10th day of this month of Nisan, you should, every Jew should get themselves a lamb and they should take it and they should prepare it to be sacrificed as an offering on the 14th of Nisan while you're still in Egypt. I want you to take these, these animals, you should tie it to your bed, and then hold it there for four days. And on the 14th day of the month of Nisan, you're going to bring slaughter that animal as an offering to me, to Hashem. And then you're going to leave Egypt. So this is called what we call the Pesach offering, the Paschal offering. And you, uh, uh, till today on our Seder tables, we have the shake bone, and we don't actually put meat because we don't want to think that this is an actual offering when we don't have the temple. But the actual commandment is a commandment that exists just because we don't have the temple so we can't actually still do the Pesach offering. But that's one of the most important parts of celebrating the exodus of Egypt was by this Paschal offering that had to be brought. There was a lot of rules that were associated with this Paschal offering, this Pesach offering. Amongst them, is that every family, or if a family was too small and you looked at your animal and said, whoa, there's no way we're going to be able to eat this entire animal before midnight. That's when you had to, because before we leave Egypt, we had to eat the whole thing. And that becomes the offering. So you would estimate this animal will need to have 20 people to be able to eat it or 40 people or 80 people, whatever, you know, depending on the size of the quantity of meat that you think would come for, out of this animal. And you would bring enough people to join your group. So you can get your family, your extended family, or friends, whatever you want, and they would all be part of a group to take part in the Pesach offering because. One of the mitzvahs was that you were not allowed to leave over any meat of the Paschal offering. So you had to make sure, actually, that you had a big enough group. Otherwise, you could have a big stomachache if you have to eat too much. Now, every person that was part of the group had to eat the size of a kazayas, which is the size of an olive, an olive size. In today's measurements, it's about 29 milliliters or one ounce That's the quantity of much you would have to eat. From here we see, because the commandment is to eat the Paschal offering, that if a person was a sick person and could not eat, or not this amount of eat, they could not be part of your group. It had to be people that could eat at least this amount. Also, you had to examine this animal that it was not allowed to have any blemishes to it. So there and also it had to be a 1-year-old a 1-year-old male sheep or goat so there was a lot of rules you had to make sure it was the right one What was behind the the necessity of bringing this kind of offering and so I'm just going to give you this piece of background then we're going to go actually into the sikha itself what the the idea behind this is in Egypt the Egyptians One of their greatest places of worshipping of idol was to these kind of animals, to these sheep and goats, these these kind of cattle. Now, because it was their idol worship, Hashem wanted us to take this idol and utilize it for something good, to show that you're not part of this practice of idol worship, especially as we're soon going to see, Many Jews were worshipping idols at that time. So this was a way for us to demonstrate our loyalty to Hashem. So this is the general concept in the way the Pesach offering would, would work. Now, also this also added another important detail. This also added that, the rule, what Moshe said to the Eden that if Egyptian's going to ask you, what is this that you're doing? You're tying this God to your bed, and you should tell them, yes, this exact animal, we're going to in four days from now, or in three days, two days, one day, we're going to on the 14th day of Nisan, we're going to sacrifice this to God uh, just before we leave Egypt. Now that takes a lot of courage to be able to tell an Egyptian to his face, I'm taking your God, what you believe is a God, and I'm going to sacrifice that. Now, this caused, obviously, that the Egyptians, now they're already scared to hurt us, but they would go back to the palace or to their friends and say, let's rally up that the Jews should leave Egypt quicker because we don't want our gods to be sacrificed. But this is what the Jews had to do, a sign of dedication. Now, let's go into the actual sikh. It's just helpful, I think, to know this, the, the, the all these different background details. On this law, where Moshe says on the 10th day of Nisan, you should take this male sheep or goat and tie it to your your bed in preparation. So we point out, and Rashi brings down, that the difference of the Pesach offering and the Pesach offering that had to be brought on year two and year three and all the years after, there was one major difference. And the difference is that only the first year when we were in Egypt, we had to actually take it and put it aside for, for the sacrifice four days before. All the future years, there was no commandment that four days before you already have to go collect this animal and, and, and prepare it. You could do it the day before. The only thing you had to do was make sure it doesn't have any blemishes to it. Okay, it's a perfect animal, but you didn't have to do it four days before. Why? Did we need to bring it four days before? Four days before we're going to sacrifice it, you have to bring this animal. And this is going to become the key of the Sikha, is this piece of subject. What's the logic behind this detail of this mitzah that made it so unique for the one time that we had Pesach, or the offering of Pesach in Egypt? So Rashi brings down to give this explanation, and he, Rashi quotes from a medrash called the Mechilta. And over there he says the following. And Rashi quotes. He says like this: Haya Reb Masia ben Charash Omer. Rabbi Masya ben Charash used to say, he would say, that when it says that you should bring the offering, and you're gonna, your, Hashem is gonna take you out of Egypt. Hashem said that it's time for me to fulfill my oath that I made to your ancestor to Abraham to redeem my children. Now the problem is that the Jews in Egypt, after 210 years, we became quite Egyptianized in many different levels. We were worshipping idols and many things. Imagine living in a, such an environment for 210 years. So since when it came to that point, we did not have any mitzvahs in our hands. In other words, we had no merit, so to speak, to leave Egypt. So why should Hashem fulfill His promise now if we don't really deserve it? So in order to deserve it, first he quotes a verse that says, In Egypt you were naked. We were naked from mitzvahs. That's how stripped we were from qualities that were worthy for Hashem to take us out. Therefore Hashem says, I'm going to give you two mitzvahs now that you could do and then you'll have a merit to me to take you out of Egypt. What are the two mitzvahs? Dam, Pesach. The blood for the Pesach, meaning the Pesach sacrifice offering. Vedam, Mila. And the commandment, too, of the blood of circumcision. At that night was a commandment to be circumcised. Now, that's the quote from Ramosi ben Charsh that Rashi brings down here. Now, the Rebbe asks a simple question. We, did anybody here hear the words of an explanation? Rash says, I'm going to explain to you why in Egypt we had to bring it four days before and how am I going to explain this to you? What it says there in Mechilta that Ramas Yomacharish used to say that since it came the time for Hashem to redeem us and we, weren't, we, didn't, we were naked for mitzvahs, we had not, no, no worthiness to be redeemed. Therefore time says, I'm going to give you two mitzvahs. Says so the Rebbe, I have four questions on this on this Rashi. Number one, Ramasya ben Kharash only explained to us why Hashem gave us the mitzvah of a Pesach offering. That it was in order to have a mitzvah to get redeemed. But the question is still there. Why take it four days before? I understand why we need a Pesach offering in general. So you should have a mitzvah to do. So now we have a worthiness to be redeemed. But how does that answer why four days before? doesn't answer that. What's the, what's the uniqueness to take this animal four days before? Why not a day before? I mean, what's, what's the specific about four days? Number two, and even more, Ramasya Ben and is not even talking about taking this sheep. He's, he actually said, you're going to get two mitzvahs. What are they? The blood of the offering. That's what he said. He's not talking about taking the offering. He's talking about slaughtering the, the offering. What does that mean? He's talking about the blood. We all know why is Pesach called Pesach? Why? Where do we have that name? In English, we translate it right. It's one of the few good words that we translate nicely. Pesach means Passover. You're supposed to take the blood of the offering, put it on your doorpost, so that the angel of death, the God's messenger that was going to kill each house, is going to the firstborn will die, so that the angel should make sure not to make a mistake. Any house that he sees that has blood on the doorframe, on the doorpost, he'll know to jump over, pass over that house. So the whole idea of the... Dom Pesach, when he says the blood of Pesach is connected to the idea of the blood that goes on your doorpost. But when did you put the blood on your doorpost? After you slaughtered the animal that you actually have blood to put on your doorpost. When did we slaughter the animal? Error of Pesach, on the 14th of Nisan. So he's not, he's for sure not talking about the 10th day. He said the mitzvah that you're going to take to go with you out of exile is on the 14th day, he said about the blood, the, if you want to mention the blood of Pesach, the blood of the Pesach offering, well, that's not till the 14th of Nisan, after you slaughtered the animal. So how does his statement answer or explain to us at all the significance of taking it 10 days earlier, four days earlier? That's what Rashi's question was. Rashi's question was, what is, why, what's, why is it different that oh, that Pesach in Egypt, you had to take it on the 10th day? How does that answer this? Number three, even if you want to say, like you want to try to give an answer, even if you want to push and try to give an answer, that while I'm working, when you're busy with the blood of the Pesach, it includes also the mitzvah when you should take the animal, because the taking of it is the preparation to actually slaughtering it, it still is not smooth. Why Ramasir Ben-Charsh mentions only about the blood, and then he says, "Why should you take it earlier? You're going to have two mitzvahs: the regular blood from the anna from the sacrifice, and also the dam, the blood of circumcision." It refers to that mitzvah, blood of circumcision. That means that Hashem said the commandment. Also, then about circumcision. Again, in other words, even if you want to say that when you're busy with the blood of the Pesach. It includes when you take it, what does that have to do with the blood of a circumcision? How does that help us to explain to us anything to do with the taking of the, on the 10th day? How's that relevant to anything that you took it on the 10th day? Taking the animal may be the 10th day, but what does it mean taking circumcision on the 10th day? What is? You only have to be circumcised, by the way, in order to be part of a group. Right? So only a circumcised person was able to be part if you were never circumcised before, or if you were circumcised before, you didn't even have to do it again. So now the fourth question is, Dam Mila, the mitzvah to bring, take, to circumcise, which means bringing the blood out on the circumcision, is also a mitzvah for all future generations. And if you were already circumcised, let's say you were circumcised, I don't know, many months before or years before when you were in Egypt for whatever reason. You didn't have to circumcise yourself again now. So when he says you had to have two mitzvahs in order to merit to leave Egypt, not everybody got to do this mitzvah of circumcision. So these are the questions that the Rebbe has on this statement of Hermasya ben Charash. So again, question number one. His statement only explains to us why we have the offering mitzvah of the, of the sacrifice of Pesach but it doesn't explain to me why it was brought on the 10th. And in more than that, he said he's not even talking about the taking, he's only talking about the actual blood which is related to putting the blood on the door post which would only be on the 14th of Nisa, not on the 10th. Number 3, even if you want to say that the blood of the Pesach offering had to be is connected with when you brought When you brought the animal for yourself on the tent, what does it have to do with the circumcision blood? And number four, what's the circumcision blood? It got anything to do with specifically with Pesach. Anybody has a mitzvah to be circumcised. Nothing to do with Pesach seemingly. So on this, he brings down from the commentaries. There are many commentaries he brings down from the... Balaturim and the Riva and the Bar Tanura and he tells you to look in the Shikh and the Mosque of David. <laughs> many places he tells you to look. There are many commentaries that explain the following. They try to give an explanation, but the Rebbe says that explanation is not satisfactory. What do all those commentaries try to explain? They say like this. While Reb Masya ben Charash explained that Hashem is giving us two mitzvahs, the blood of the Pesach offering, together with the blood of circumcision, it's understood why you should take the animal four days before you're going to actually slaughter it. After circumcision, we all know, after circumcision, a person is not really in such a mobile position. It's not the time when you're going to start moving and running and jogging. We already had the story in Parsha Shemos. You remember when Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu that he should circumcise his children and Moses had a dilemma. He had to go to Egypt to go take care of the brothers that were suffering in, in trouble. The other hand is he was commanded to circumcise his kids. So Moses made a calculation that if I'll circumcise my kids, I won't be able to go on my travel for at least three days till so they heal could be more than three days. So Moshe said, let me rush to go help my brothers and I'll circumcise them when I get to Egypt. I'll take care of the circumcision ceremony. And we all know what happened. Moshe took, stayed in a hotel overnight. It was too dangerous to travel, you know, to go on a long trip. So he stayed overnight in a motel and we know what happened there in the motel. A snake came and tried to bite him and kill him and his wife realized, whoa, something's going on or crazy. And she got, the, she got a clue. From the way the snake was positioning himself, where the snake wanted to bite, that she got this clue. Oh my God, this has to do with the circumcision that we delayed. She quickly gets a, a gets a rock and she circumcises her kid. That's how. That's one of the ways how we know. By the way, that women are allowed to be a mohelot. You could be a you know a circumciser. I mean, the Rambam says that the women generally like to refrain themselves from blood. It's not exactly a woman are much more refined people, so they don't jump to do these kinds of things. But technically. Halachically, here's a source of a woman that was the first mohelech. But anyway, the point is that you see from there that traveling after circumcision, you really want to wait at least three days. Therefore, says these commentaries, that's why it happened on the 10th day of the month. So that the time we're going to bring the offering four days later, you'll already be healed now, once you're going to do the circumcision four days early, so, okay, let's do the other mitzvah also and bring your animal in, collect the animal also on the 10th day. So you'll have both mitzvahs together, the merit of both mitzvahs together. So the Rebbe says, that's a very nice answer. However, the fact that they circumcised themselves at the same night when they took the animal is very difficult to say this. Why? Because Rashi said that the blood of, for a circumcision, was brought together with the blood of the Pesach offering. It was both of those bloods that were brought on the same time. The blood that you used to put on your doorpost was together with the blood of the circumcision. But that means it was on the the, uh, the 14th of the month, before the night of the 15th. So it's very hard to say that the blood is referring to the circumcision that you did on the four days earlier. Rashi says that the both bloods go together and the blood of the sacrifice was certainly not till after it was slaughtered. means on the 14th of the month. So we can't answer like all those commentaries which give this beautiful idea that you needed to heal from it and therefore everything happened on the 14th. He says, what do you mean? According to Rashi, it was not done four days earlier. The bloods were both connected at the same time when we had blood, which was until the 14th of the month. So this, so therefore, we still have our question of how does Ramasya Ben Chares' explanation that the fact that we needed to have merit to leave Egypt, we saw Hashem said, I'll give you two mitzvahs, so you'll have some merits in order to leave. How does that answer the question of why that first Pesach there was a commandment to take your animal four days earlier. What was the significance of taking it four days earlier? Now, we have to go a little bit further here. Rashi continues in the same Rashi after Reb Ben-Khar's commentary about taking, the Gashem giving us two mitzvahs to merit. Rashi continues like this. The Jews were stooped or addicted in idol worship. And that's why Hashem said, pull yourself, draw yourself away from that idol worship behavior, and now take for yourself this animal from those idol worships, take it for yourself, and bring it as an offering, as a mitzvah. Now, Rashi says this point. Again, he quotes from the Medrash that the Jews were addicted to the idol worship. Therefore, he said, go pull yourself away from that and take an animal for an offering. Now, what's interesting is, is that quote is also in the Medrash, but that's not the end of Ramasya Ben-Kharash's quote. If you go to the Medrash, there it says that who said this thing that the Jews were stooped in idol worship? It was the opponent of Ramas Ben Kharash. The opponent, his name was Rabbi Eliezer Hakapor. Now Rabbi Eliezer Hakapor disagreed with Ramasya ben There during the Medrash. He said that the Jews actually did have mitzvahs that we were good at even while we were in Egypt. You all know we kept our Hebrew names, we kept our clothing, right? We kept our language. He says we had for the four mitzvahs. He says actually, so he, so that quote comes from him. So it's totally not understood. Since you're quoting Rashi from the medrash, which has two opposite opinions, Rashi should have said, "Who says that quote about?" that Jews were addicted to idol worship, either quote that guy's name, Rabbi Lazar or Kapur, or at least say, there's another opinion, if you don't want to say the guy's name for whatever reason. Rashi makes it as if it's all one idea here, even though it's not Rebel Le- Master Ben-Khar's idea. He actually says, with, with a vav, like he says, Rebbe Masyur's idea that you need to have two mitzvahs, he gave you the blood of Pesach offering and blood of, of circumcision, and you should know that we were very stooped into Idol worship. He says it like an and as if it's totally Ramasya's quote. But it's not. From here you see a very interesting thing. And the Rebbe had taught us this many times. And we all learned this. And I'm sure we, many of us remember this idea. He said that whenever Rashi quotes a name of somebody. When he says what the guy said. The name of the person teaches you something. Sometimes De Rebbe pointed out that only a smart student, like a studious student, has some kind of good question, that that question would be answered by the fact that you know who's the author of that quote. But here you see very clearly the fact that the first commentary says the guy's name. The second comment doesn't say any name. From here you see more the striking point that if it says a name, it means that there's something about the name. Otherwise he would have not said anybody's name. The fact that you say only one time a name, that means there's something about this teacher whose name was Ramasya Ben-Kharsh. Now we're going to have to, under, let's try to figure this out, the Rebbe says. What is so unique? What is he? What additional information or lesson can I take by knowing who the person is that said this quote? Another thing we have to understand, Rashi is not satisfied by bringing his name Ramasya Ben-Kharsh, but he even says that Ramas Harsh Harsh used to say. What do you mean used to say something? Used to say means he says it all the time. It's like this and this rabbi or this and this person is always says this. He used to say this all the time. It's like something he lived with it. He always said it, not just one time. When you say this person said this, one time the person said it. But when you say the person says this, plural, always says this. Well, one second, why is Rashi telling us that? Now, given that it's a little bit, you know, deeper, but the Rebbe pointed out many times, Rashi is very, very precise. Every word, letter in Rashi is exact. So if he's quoting this piece with, with that word that says, Ramosi used to always say this, how is that helping us to understand anything in this context? So the explanation is like this. When Rashi said that the, and, and the Jews were stooped or addicted to idol worship, it's because the simple narrative of the whole story is that in the words of and ben Charash is you don't just have, the answer, why did we have to take it four days earlier before the before you actually brought it as an offering? Because he doesn't even say clearly why we brought it before. But the answer is to the question of why you take it four days before is in the end of this whole quoting where Rashi says. The answer why we brought it four days before is because of this idea, because we used to be addicted to idol worship. And therefore, Hashem says, "Withdraw from this behavior, and now only associate with the animal, and you're going to bring it as an offering to Me." That means not just that we have to be befitting in order to bring an offering for a mitzvah. We first thing we have to do is is we have to withdraw from our connection to animals as a like as an idol, because otherwise you won't be able to actually take part in eating of this Pesach offering. If you don't disassociate yourself with the impurity involvement, you cannot actually do the offering in a kosher mitzvah kind of way. Therefore, with this alone, that they will take the cattle that's usually used for idol worship and you're going to bring it as a mitzvah you're going to nullify yourself. You're going, in other words, you're going to strike out, strike away. You're going to get rid of the addiction of the idol worship process. As he's going to soon explain to us more, the significance of leaving that way before you're going to be able to go further in the good way. In other words, let's think about this like this. If a person is raised in a certain environment, okay, let's say in a certain country, let's say a person, let's do this better. Let's say God forbid a person's in jail. Now, in jail, you learn a lot of habits, right? Like, you know, the person that came to his rabbi and he said, I'm looking for a shidduch. And he said, What kind of shidduch are you looking for? He said, I'm looking for a man. That's a very disciplined poison. He said, give me an example. He said, this person, he should go to sleep every day 10 o'clock. And what time should he wake up? Every day 7 o'clock. And he has his meals in exact time. 10 o'clock, 30, and 6 p.m. And he makes his bed every day perfect. He folds his pajamas every single day. Only wears a new fresh set of pants and shirt every day the rabbi said, perfect. I know exactly where we could find such a person. That person is in jail. You know, so sometimes, you know, over there, you could be on this perfect, you know, perfect, perfect schedule. So a person that's living that kind of life for many years, imagine a person that's in jail for 210 years, the way our ancestors were in Egypt, right? You get used to a certain culture. It's not so simple To pull you out of that and be a free person. You don't know really how to do that. You have to kind of go through a training to let go of the past to be able to go on to the future. And really, that's what he's telling you here. You have to let go in order to go to the next step. But in order to do this, to let go before you go to the next step says Rashi as an introduction to understand that the main purpose of bringing this offering, a Pesach offering, is like the name. It's a Pesach to jump over. That the blood of the Pesach was a sign that Hashem will jump over those doors. What's the connection of jumping over the doors to the idea of that we were Addicted to idol worship. So that's why Rashi says first. Ramasya ben Charash said something. The main function of these mitzvahs is is that Hashem gave you this mitzvah in order to, you should be redeemed. It was in order to, to fix the problem that we were naked from a mitzvah. Since we were naked from a mitzvah, he wanted to fix that by putting us in a position that we're clothed with mitzvahs in order for us to be redeemed. And for this, you need to have two mitzvahs. So it's understood that the main purpose of the Pesach offering was to get rid of the problem that we were naked for mitzvahs. That means the whole Pesach offering wasn't a positive thing. It was to get rid of the negative To get rid of the negative that was associated with us. We were associated with the verse that says, "At arm You were naked. So to get rid of the flaw that you're naked, now you need to have this mitzvah. So the mitzvah was to fix a negative issue that was going on. Now, he's going to explain this a bit more. Learning the idea of vermasya ben charash. For this Hashem gave us two mitzvahs. Because we were naked. You could ask a question. And you could say, One second. What do you mean you're giving me mitzvahs that I should be worthy to leave Egypt so that I shouldn't be naked for mitzvahs? I should have something, a quality, carrying a quality with me. It says, I don't understand. In order for me not to be naked, all I need is one mitzvah. Once you have one mitzvah, you're already, you have a mitzvah. And if one is not enough, in other words, you want, there's a biblical commandment that says if you see somebody that's naked, you have to clothe them. There's such a mitzvah, right? The verse in Yeshayat says, Kisira Arum v'kisisa. If you see somebody naked, you have to the mitzvah to clothe the person. So for that, Hashem could have gave you clothes, one mitzvah. Why do you need to have two mitzvahs here? Why did the Matthew say you need to, you're going to get two mitzvahs? One mitzvah would have sufficed. And the answer is that each one of these specific two mitzvahs have a very general effect on the people. One of them is associated with positive and one is associated with negative. Because we were missing in both areas. It's called sur and asetov. Famous idea. Sur means get rid of your bad. That's one function that we work on. Get rid of any negative qualities. Asetov means I'm going to add good qualities. Right? Use for example, a famous example is When you're going to move into a new house that you built. There's two functions. One is to get rid of all the dirt. All the construction debris. Get rid of the bad. And the second function is to bring nice furniture in. Same to uh, you as a human. All of us as humans. The first step is. Get rid of any negativity you have. And now. Work on bringing in the positive. We have two kinds of mitzvahs. We have mitzvahs that are adding good, and we have mitzvahs that gets rid of any dirt that lingers on us. Now, so when it came to the positive, doing something positive, practicing of a mitzvah, mitzvah, we needed to do something positive in order because why did we leave Egypt? You remember there's a verse that says, I'm taking you out of Egypt in order that you'll be able to serve me at the mountain, meaning at the Mount Sinai. So I need merits in order to serve Hashem. That's positive. On the other hand, you need to do something to get rid of any shmutz, any dirt that attaches itself to you. If I don't get rid of the dirt, I won't be able to do the next mitzvah to get redeemed. So when he says you need to do two mitzvahs, it's because you need both of these qualities. one of them is going to represent the get rid of the negative. One's going to represent get rid of to add to the positive. One mitzvah of adding what's the positive mitzvah that's blood for the circumcision. Circumcision. Why? What's the effect of circumcision? You become bonded in the covenant with Hashem. And the other mitzvah getting rid of the bad of Egypt that's connected with the blood of the Pesach offering. Now we can understand even better that we use the word the blood of the Pesach offering. In order to get redeemed. Seemingly the main thing of the offering of Pesach. Is the eating of the animal. Like we saw in the laws of taking the animal. That it has to be a lamb per house. Meaning it has to be in a way that your whole household could eat it. And somebody that's not befitting to eat. Like a sick person is not cannot be part of the group. So why does he call it the blood of the Pesach. He should have said the eating of the Pesach offering but based on what we just said now, that it's about the blood, because the blood is representing the essence of the negativity to get rid of the negativity. Now, how do you get rid of the negativity through the Pesach offering? Like, What's the connection between the Pesach offering and getting rid of any bad? Sin, in other words, since we didn't have any mitzvahs with us, it's understood that the mitzvahs that Hashem gave us are general mitzvahs. Just like the mitzvah of circumcision is a general mitzvah, it's not a specific mitzvah. It's a covenant that's a sign that bonds you and Hashem. It's not one specific mitzvah. It's a general bonding. So Rashi continues, since we were stooped into idol worship, he said, let go, go away, pull yourself away from this addiction. From where? From this idol worship. Not just any bad, specific To this idol stuff. We learned already in Parshas era, We learned that these cattles. Were the idol worship of the Egyptians. That means the whole thing. Of taking this idol. And bringing it as an offering. Is showing great fear. It's involved with fear of the Egyptians. But that created a sacrifice of us. To devote ourselves to Hashem. Not to be associated with this kind of behavior. Now that's why we took it at least four days before. What was the significance of taking it four days before? This is a fascinating idea. Since the Jews didn't just worship idol one time and that was it. At one time you, you know, you did a sin. It said we were shtufim ba'alekeliwim, which means we were addicted to it. So we had to do something so mighty powerful to uproot ourselves from this kind of behavior. So you would think to take the animal, grab it, the idol, and shacht it right away. He says, you know, that wouldn't really help to show that you completely had a with, that you withdrew from this addiction. When does, when does it prove that you gave up an addiction if much time passes and you don't go back to that way that's a sign that you were successful you did it for one day that doesn't tell you that much that you really withdrew from it how much time is it for certain addictions how much time does it have to pass to show that you truly left it certain things it tells you 4 days if you could stop this for four days, you're on a very good path. How do we know this? This is what I told you earlier on uh, uh, from a verse that we say every day in our davening. It comes from Chumash in Parash in the story of the Akedah. In the story of the Akedah, it says, Hashem told Avraham that I want you to take your son and bring him up on the altar. Now, the next day, Hashem says three days, sorry, three days later, Hashem said, here's the place I want you to bring him on the offering. Rashi said, why on the third day should, Hashem showed him this is the place. Why not the first day, second day, third, why the third day? Which in essence, right away, it's the fourth day because the the day commanded him and then he started the traveling the next morning. And the third day of the traveling. So it's really four days after the first commandment. Why did Hashem wait four days? Sarashi so says, because there were many people that were ready to say, Avram acts on the spirit of the moment. You know, he's, he's an excited guy. So when God says, take your son or bring him on the offer, Avram says, oh God, I love you. I'm going to listen to anything you say. And he's quickly gets the knife and does it. They'll say, one second, Avram, you didn't think this through. If you would have thought this through fully, you think you would have done this? You didn't do it realizing what you were doing if you would do it so fast. But if you th- would think about it for a few days, they would, they would laugh at him and say you would never do it. So here Hashem says, I want to show you how devoted Avram is after a couple days pass and he's still committed to follow what I told him to do. Right? That shows his true dedication. You know, like they say that when, you, you know, somebody says, who wants to make a commitment, a special kind of mitzvah, right? So you're so excited, the spirit of moment, so you pick up your hand, you're in. And the best is when you actually write it down so you committed, you can't back out. Because if you just say, yeah, 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 I'm in, a few days later you go back home and, why did I do that, right? You cool down from it. But on the, on the other side, if you stay strong of that commitment, even a few days later, that shows you're really, you're really sincere. So back to our story here. He learns, so he's learning from this, from this story of the Al-Qaeda. Same too here in our story. Why did Hashem say take the animal four days before? Cause you withdrew you pulled yourself back from the idol worship for, for four days and you still may had stronger your commitment. I'm not going to go back to that way. That shows that you're sincere now to Hashem, that you truly left that addiction. Now in order, as Rashi always says, he talks for a five-year-old kid to be able to understand. Now, five-year-old kid could be age of your passport. It could be also stage of learning, you know. So Rashi always says, I'm speaking always a five-year-old kid to understand. That's his level of easiness that he brings. He talks is for a five-year-old kid. Yeah, if you learn Chayenu, you maybe you feel like you could understand it all, right? So a five-year-old kid is supposed to be able to grasp this. So the Rebbe says, now, in order for a five-year-old kid to better understand well what Ramas Ben Charash said, that even though God had made a promise that he's going to take Tavram, that he's going to redeem his children, Nevertheless, you could think, why do I need to have any mitzvahs? Hashem has to fulfill His promise anyways. A five-year-old kid could ask such a question. Why do I need to have two mitzvahs? Why do I need any mitzvahs? You made a promise. Fulfill your promise to redeem us. But now the five-year-old kid gets it. He understands why Ramas Yimachar said that even though Hashem made a a, a vow, He's going to take us out, we still needed to have a mitzvah in order to be redeemed. Rashi, for this, to understand this importance, why we still needed to have a mitzvah, even though there was a there was a, a vow, you could understand this by knowing who the author of this whole statement was. What was his name again? Ramasya ben Kharsh. Ramasya ben Kharsh is the author of the, of the saying, and not just, he's the author, Haya Ramasya ben Kharish. He would always say this. So there's something about it, and that's going to teach us so important why you need to have a mitzvah. The Talmud says in the tractate of Sanhedrin, page 32b, over there it says that Ramas Ben-Kharash had a big yeshiva. And I looked it up. Ramas Ben-Kharash lived just after, around the time of the, uh, of the Bar Kochva revolt. So we're talking around 132 uh, CE. So there was a lot of problems for the Jews then and in Israel. So Ramasu moved to Rome. He went to live in Rome. And he started a big yeshiva. He had a big following in his yeshiva in Rome. As a matter of fact, the Talmud says that he had, the Rambam brings down also in his commentary on the Talmud, says that he had the biggest yeshiva in his times was at Ramassi bar yeshiva in Rome. But we could ask a question. Why did he make his yeshiva in Rome? Now, what's the problem to make it in Rome? Because if you make it in Rome, you're basically causing anybody that has Torah questions has to travel down to Rome. Like the Talmud says on the verse that says, tzedek, 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 right? Justice, justice, pursue. You should pursue justice. How are you going to pursue justice? You're going to have to go where the Torah scholars are. So where would you go to the best yeshiva of the world? You would travel there to get to your justice. You would travel to Ramasya Yomar who did not make his yeshiva in Israel, like Rabbi Akiva who lived in his time, who made his yeshiva in Bnei Brach. So you could ask a question, why did he make it in Rome? How strange, why would he do that? By understanding that he used to say this quote often, and he was known for this quote that we just said that Jews were not ready, uh, weren't worthy to leave Egypt until Hashem gave us two mitzvahs that we were worthy now. By understanding that, we can understand something that he used to live by and say it all the time while he was in Rome. He would say that to be redeemed is dependent that even if you're in Rome, you could make a yeshiva, meaning that a Jew that finds themselves in a Roman stage, which means you're naked for mitzvahs. Even a person who's foreign from the environment of Torah mitzvahs, and you could make, even in Rome, you could make it a yeshiva atmosphere. In other words, you could elevate yourself out of the Rome ideologies. And you could toil in the Torah. And for this, he made his yeshiva in Rome in the place of exile in order to help Jews and through this to bring redemption. It's actually very interesting. He Rebbe brings in a footnote here, especially like the last Rashi and Parsha of Aishlach. I guess he assumes that we all know that, but I have to check it up. The last Rashi and Parsha of Aishlach, it lists off the descendants of Esav and the last a general that he had was Aluf Magdiel, and Rashi says, in Rome. So in other words, emphasizing the idea that Rome was the epitome of exile. And if over there in that place you can make a yeshiva, that's the place, meaning anybody, that you can elevate yourself from being naked of spirituality to something more dressed up of mitzvahs, that leads you to redemption now what's the takeaway which is the most important of every torah learning says the rebbe like this while we are in the most darkest places of exile in the end of exile we're in the roman kind of exile meaning where it's so secular it's so there's so much missing it's it's naked of mitzvahs knowing this and we know what the talmud says that really It's like it's the end of times already, ready for Mashiach. A Jew could say and complain and say, we are already in an exile. Almost 2,000 years we're in exile without a temple. How much can we bear this to suffer in exile? Question mark, exclamation mark. Enough is enough. For this Rashi tells us. If all you have to do is leave the exile, get up and run, we would have been on our way for a long time. But that's not what Hashem wants. Hashem doesn't want us just run out. I'm in an exile, boom, let me dash out the door. That's not the way to get real, real redemption. That's not the way to get rid of a nakedness. Hashem wants you to also have clothes on you. He wants you to dress yourself first. I remember reading the book from this Jew that sat for eight and a half years in jail not too long ago. And he writes in the story that after he was told that he's going to be leaving jail. And they told him you can go wait in the waiting room now. You're done. You don't have to sit in the prison. They sent him into the waiting room where, where guests come. And they brought him a new set of clothes. And he gets dressed in his clothes and he's waiting there his new clothes for his wife to come to pick him up. So you see, you're not supposed to leave prison in your prison clothes. Hashem doesn't want you to leave in your nakedness look. He wants you to be dressed. Just like when we left Egypt. How did we leave Egypt? We left like rich people, wealthy. We didn't leave like poor beggars that looked like they were in slavery for 210 years. And the Jews, even then in Egypt, you know what they were saying for a long time? They were saying, God Almighty, please, let us get out of this slavery. We don't care if we don't take any money with us. We don't need to leave rich. We just want to get out of this. But Hashem said, I want you to take all the wealth with you. With all the commentaries that are involved with this. This is because the, the, it's brought down that there was a lot of kedusha, holiness, in the material substances of Israel uh, of Egypt. In other words, there were sparks of holiness there. You know how it says, the, the Kabbalah tells us that before the world, the world was created, it was tohu vavoh, it was emptiness, right? And the emptiness from materials, things was only godliness. And it says there was so much light that the vessels couldn't handle it and it exploded. And there was chips of this light, sparks, these chips called sparks, that were scattered around the world. And how many sparks were there? There was 288 sparks of holiness around the world. And the job since the world was created is for all of us to collect those 288 sparks and bring them back together. And that's our job. They're all hidden in this world. So it says that 210, corresponding to the 210 years that we were in Egypt we were dealing with getting out 210 of those sparks. So in other words, when Hashem's according to Kabbalah's explanation, that when Hashem says that I want you to stay there to bring out that wealth, that's not because the material wealth. It's because there's godly sparks in there that you had to get out. You are on a mission there to elevate that. And like it says, just like when Kimei to and Flies, when Mashiach comes, it's going, you're going to leave the same way and miraculous wondrous that we had when we left Egypt. We're going to leave now the same way. That's because Hashem wants us to leave this exile also with great wealth. And this is hint, all this lesson, this lesson that we're in exile. But Hashem wants us to be dressed while we leave, not to stay naked. He wants us to be dressed with mitzvahs, dressed with wealth. Is also hinted to in one of the beautiful things in today's Parsha that's hinted to by the fact that the previous Rebbe's yard is was on the Shabbos Parsha bow. This year, the yard site is going to be during the week. But Shabbos, the year he passed away, 1950, he passed away Saturday morning, Shabbos morning of Parsha bow. The previous Rebbe once said, that and he well, not just one said he showed us that he put in greatest efforts to spread torah mitzvahs till the level of self sacrifice i once told you that uh, that my grandfather he my grandfather once told me my grandfather was a uh, was one of the emissaries sent by the previous rebbe to open up a jewish day school a couple of different ones in buffalo and then in in uh, in in Connecticut and then in Massachusetts, in Springfield, Massachusetts. And that's where he lived there for his entire life. So he once said that when the previous Rebbe was on the boat coming to America, he was looking at a map of America and he asked for a pencil and he circled, he said, over here, I'm gonna make a yeshiva. Over here, I'm gonna make a yeshiva. And he circled all the places and then he got off the boat and he said, America is no different than Poland. If we were able to do it there, we're going to do it in America. And people laughed at him and said, America, you're going to make yeshivas in America. It ain't going to work. But he persisted and he and he did it. So he spread Yiddishkeit everywhere that people should do mitzvahs in reality. And all the stories about this are known like this one I just shared with you. And he did it in a way like the way the previous one said a fascinating thing on this hal- law that says, that if you see a naked person, you have to dress them, clothe them. And from their flesh, you're not allowed to conceal yourself. You're not allowed to make believe you don't see that they're naked. If you see somebody that doesn't have clothes, there's an obligation to get the person clothes. So he said that, so said to Friedrich Rebbe, in America, when you see, or wherever it is, when you see somebody that's naked from a mitzvah, what does that mean? Naked, they're not dressed with tzitzis or tefillin. Your job is to get them a of and get them a of tefillin. They should be dressed with mitzvahs. Similarly, like Master Ben-Khar said, you got to give them two mitzvahs. That, those were the example mitzvahs that the previous service said. And for this, this kind of service, he made yeshivas all over in the diaspora, in the exile, inside capital cities, which was the most unusual place to bring Yiddishkeit. He brought it like as it's called, it says, like the capital of, of, of Italy you know, was Rome, in the place of the Rome, the noise of Rome, in New York City. That's where he brings Yiddishkeit into New York, a place that millions and millions of people, they're not just in some little town somewhere, Because over there, he was searching for the Jews that were in a situation where they weren't wearing clothes. And he wanted to give them one mitzvah and then a second mitzvah. Because once you give one a second, then the mitzvahs could grow and grow and grow until it becomes really light. Because why? Because since the redemption of this exile is not just for one Jew. It says that when Mashiach comes, every single Jew is going to be taken out of the exile. So we have to search for every Jew. Wherever he may find himself. You don't know where to You got to go look for every lost person. Every person that needs to be dressed. You got to go search that person to dress him. At least with one mitzvah that he shouldn't be completely undressed. Because the entire redemption is dependent on this. Because what Makar said, You need to have clothes, you need to have mitzvahs in order to have something to get out of exile. So it's our responsibility. And through this, we will go with all our ancestors. We're going to go out of this gaulot, this exile, that will be an eternal, foreverlasting redemption in the way that it will happen right away that will be redeemed and all the deceased, the dead will be resurrected and they will sing with us. They'll come out of the earth and he... Together with them and this should be what sooner, much faster Mahirav mamish, in our days literally now. And this is a Sikha that the Rebbe said in nineteen seventy seven on this parsha of Bo.